Benjamin Franklin famously said, in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. If he were alive today, he would probably have also included artificial intelligence. The human mind is a marvel of creativity and ingenuity, always pushing the boundaries of invention and discovery. Throughout history, each leap forward has been met with a mixture of awe and often apprehension. Our hunting instincts trigger our fight or flight alarm bells within the mind. Consider Socrates, who in ancient Greece feared that the advent of writing would erode our memory, making us lazy when it came to learning new things. In the 1440s, the advent of the printing press created fears of religious upheaval and the spread of misinformation. The 18th century brought the telephone, igniting concerns about the decline of personal interaction since we no longer needed to have in-person conversations. Then radio and TV broadcasting raised alarms about potential mass brainwashing. And now, as we are starting our relationship with AI, we face a new set of dilemmas. But how do we adapt and work in the new era of AI? In today's episode, we are exploring the superpower of augmented human intelligence. I'm joined by Sam Saman, who has a rich blend of expertise in applied physics, digital circuit design, nanotechnology, formal methods, life science, and business. Sam is the author of his upcoming book, The Singularity of Hope, which aims to guide readers through the challenges and opportunities of the AI era, advocating for a harmonious fusion of human intelligence and machine capabilities. From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Whenever I talk about AI with people generally, there's a bit of a fear factor thinking, well, is this thing going to take over everything I do today and what's going to be the future for me? But you have a slightly different perspective. So I'd love to explore that more. When the spell checker come in, nobody think of it as an act of supremacy for the machine. Everybody start using it. But then that the spell checker grow and grow, start guessing words for your search engine, start guessing pages now with ChatGPT, okay? And through these pages to you, we had kept an illusion of intelligence and we got scared. Nobody got scared of spell checker. Hey guys, it's just a giant spell checker. Slow down. It's very useful. I'm not undermining the huge advancement in AI, generative AI. It's amazing, okay? Because now instead of correcting or giving you a synonym or guessing a word, it can give you a page can write you an article, but it's there. It's only linguistic, it's only there. And it's not really intelligent. It's casting an illusion of intelligence. It's a huge data structure, great research algorithm, okay? Very smartly done. Instead of telling you, hey, we are putting the data in the data structure, as they used to say, they call it now learning algorithm. Fine, they call it deep learning. Great, use the term that you, you like to use but it's not the way we work as a human. 
at all. It's not intelligent, really. Just giant spell checker. Slow down, guys. And so why do they call it artificial intelligence? Because that word intelligence is quite a loaded term. As soon as someone says, I'm intelligent, you have all of these preconceived emotions coming to your mind about what that person might be like. Now, when we say something is intelligent, like technology, that, again, creates that trigger of thought as well. So the word artificial intelligence started a long time ago. If you go to the literature, when we start doing computers, people thought it's artificial intelligence. And we start talking about machine being smart. It's not new. What's new today is really how advanced this AI looks like and how it casts illusion. I give a small story in my book just to be fun. I tell the story of a young boy called Aaron in the 90s. There to program and then he was like 11 years old, young. He's living with a grandma. He wanted to impress his grandma. Wrote a small script uh, on the computer and told her, come on, the computer is alive. He's my new friend. He fooled the grandpa. The grandma was impressed. Oh, really? He is alive. Oh my God. Okay. Now Aaron is not 11 years old. He's in his 40s. He's a data engineer or scientist. And he's not fooling his grandma anymore. He's fooling the whole world. And the script is not the small one. It's what we call maybe ChatGPT. No. Okay. So we call it intelligent because it has a kind of intelligence, which is linguistic intelligence, computational intelligence, like in the calculator, and it's fast and we cannot beat it. Like in terms of human intelligence in this domain, narrow domain, we cannot beat it. But let's go back. Human intelligence is much more than that. We have emotional intelligence. We have what we call our real superpower, intuition. And intuition is something that we didn't figure out in programming. We don't know how to program intuition, okay? Intuition is really somehow a superpower, very difficultly coded in our brain that we don't know how it works really, okay? There is also its variance like gut feeling, educated guess, oh my God, it's intuition plus education. And that's a great. You go to, I don't know, an educated engineer and he will guess something and we tell you it's that. And he doesn't know how he figures it out. He cannot replicate this magical algorithm. It's a real superpower. And this the machine not only cannot do, it will not do in the near future because nobody is working on it at least. Nobody is accepting the truth that we don't know how to code intuition. It's not a question of computing power. Eh? It's not a question, okay, tomorrow right. I will have 10 times computing power, so I will figure out intuition. Good. That's wishful thinking. It will not happen like this. You need at least to know how it works. We don't know. Okay. That's not underestimating the great progress and how useful generative AI is to our life. And it's a must do. It's not something to take it easy. It will change the world. But it's the same level how internet changed the world 35 years ago, how the mobile phone changed our world 15 years ago. And now we have AI that will accelerate this in a huge way. Yes, but we don't need to fear it. We need to embrace it. It is intelligent, but very narrow intelligence. And the good news, it can augment our intelligence. Because if we combine it with our human intelligence, it will be huge. Let me tell you something. The problem is not like, it's not that the machine becomes human-like. The problem is how humanity were acting like machine in the last 50 years. We are asking everyone to follow rules. It's OP, right? Standard operating procedure. Systematic. That was the problem. So the wonderful thing with now, 
the machine will take over the systematic, the routine, the stuff that are repetitive, and it will give us back our humanity, being creative, being emotional, empathy, gut feelings, being human again. That would be wonderful. It's a chance. We need to embrace it. Oh, I love that perspective because just thinking back and reflecting on what you've just said there, absolutely agree. We, during the lockdowns and everything else that was going on in the past, we were regimental in what we could and couldn't do. But if we think about even work, I, I was saying this to a colleague recently, I was like, why do we have to work five days a week? And I said, what if we work three days a week? You think we could survive? And I came to the conclusion, yes, absolutely. Because based on the income that we're receiving for five days, we've created a world around us that then needs to be fed. And if we had three days wages instead, I'm sure we could still survive. We just have to survive on a smaller scale of wants and needs. And imagine what you could do with those other two days. So I think when we've done things in a certain way for years and years, we've just been programmed to follow that process. And the human mind thinks I can't do anything else. And it's a bit like AI now. It's here and it's coming. And I think a lot of us are struggling to go, well, I've got to change. And will it change for the better or the worse? And, and I think that's been a real dilemma for many of us. So 2023 for me felt like it was like a new toy had been given to us. So we got this Christmas present, OpenAI came along and we unwrapped it. We didn't quite know what the toy would allow us to do, but we were able to play with it and use it for some fun stuff. And then I think people have started to realize we can do some really interesting things with this technology. So 2024, what do you think will be happening in this year? How will AI evolve? What will be some of the practical aspects of AI that will be upon us that we can look forward to? Oh my God, that's a lot of things. So let's start with uh, what you mentioned about uh, mental challenge, practically mental health challenges with the arrival of AI, about uh, working and how we will redefine it. Okay, because you are mentioning three days a week. What's coming is worse. Maybe we'll need one day a week to work. Maybe we don't need to work anymore because robots are coming. So let's talk about next year, then go a little bit and uh, talk more futuristic things. I think 2024, 2025, it will be the years when we start to figure out how to use this formidable technology. And I, I project that the domain that will use it immediately is, of course, customer service, sales. This is immediate. Like we have already now digital robot that can call you and you don't know if they are human or not, okay? And they can call you, do good conversation with you, and then transfer you to a human. It's amazing, okay? But the next big thing, it will be mostly, in my opinion, in the medical field. A lot of AI applications are already being developed. And what happened last year is encouraged a lot of investment. Companies are already working for years, and suddenly we have ChatGPT, a proof of concept, and then people, hey, I have invested. I'm talking about VC, a big investor. I invested in this company. Let's check them again. And here, oh my God, why I didn't push them more? And this is what we'll see mostly in 24 and 25. That's, in my opinion, will be the biggest breakthrough. New systems that will help doctors diagnostic stuff, new kind of treatment. The approach for healthcare at all will be really augmented by using the AI. Now, going more into the future, 
let's go forward. We'll have autonomous cars coming, robotaxi coming. That means all this kind of jobs uh, of Uber and stuff, it may disappear. We'll not need it anymore. Go farther, more and more AI in the industry, industrial robot that exists already. You don't need like a human chip. Oh, could be an arm, but it can do more and more. And suddenly we'll need practically very little amount of human work to sustain humanity. Here where I call it the singularity happens, the economical singularity, or a critical point where really things does not balance anymore. We don't need to work five days, three days, or even not at all. And here we need to redefine work to embrace back our humanity, create new kind of job. Go back to the community, going back to being human. Art is a lot of things to do in it, entertaining, thinking, breaking barriers, because with this capacity, we can do projects that we never imagined could be happening. Because now it will cost you much less to do huge projects. The machine will be working with a lot of challenges, of course, because we need to create this new job. And honestly, our system is always working slowly. We wait until the problem happens. And in this time, it's our chance to do the opposite. Start acting before, anticipating. The robots are coming. We don't need to be afraid of them. We need to embrace this technology and use it for our advantage. And maybe, as you said, not only three days a week, maybe one would be enough. And it's not sarcasm. It's coming. It's a matter of not 10 years, maybe seven. And do you think AI is going to make us lazy as a species? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's very dangerous. I call it in my book, The Obesity of the right. Brain. Industrial revolution brought, I'm not talking about individual here, I'm talking about the society, brought to us the concept of obesity. Because before it, people used to do physical work to sustain humanity. You go and you work hard. and There is no place for obesity in the society unless you are very rich or very powerful kings. And, and it was dissipated, duplicated in the art. You used to see kings fat, all other people not. With industrial revolution, obesity become a problem in the society. Okay? Now, with the AI, I call it the obesity of the brain is when we start relying on AI, we don't want to be creative, okay? It's giving us bad quality of writing, that's fine. It gives me a repetitive job, that's fine. I don't want to be creative anymore. That's very dangerous. So it's the obesity of the brain this time, not the, the, the brain that becomes fat, but it becomes somehow inactive. And it's very dangerous. Someone told me about that movie called Wally, when we see people practically doing nothing. Everything is automated. So this is a real danger, but I'm hopeful. I think if we embrace our humanity, we are in our nature creative and all kind of creativity. I'm not talking only about art or entertainment or writing, any kind of creativity, interaction, working together, empathy, taking care of each other. We are social beings. We like to be around with people. And here it's a chance to embrace our humanity back. But we need to be aware that there is a danger of obesity with pain. Yes, it's coming, unfortunately. And so if someone's sat at home, and I have these thoughts as well a lot of the time, thinking we're at this turning point, really. It's a bit of a tipping point, I think you mentioned as well, that we can see something's going to happen. The jobs are going to change. We might work less. All of these things that are just 
on the horizon, but they're not quite here just yet because things are still evolving. Mm. How can I best prepare myself as a professional? What would be some of your advice and recommendations for people who are in that mindset right now, who are hungry to change, who are proactive and want to embrace this new technology? What are some of the things that we could do to prepare ourselves? First of all, uh, we need to do continuous learning, of course. It's one of our uh, secret weapon to, let's call it, defeat the obesity of the brain, okay? And also having trust our superpowers, that is intuition, empathy, and love. I talk in the book about a method, I call it higher human AI augmentation. And it's an intuitive way to use the new technology. And I will give an example with ChatGPT, and this is anyone can practice this method in their own, let's call it, uh, domain. I will give a small example of uh, an educator who want to prepare courses for the kids, for example. So we start with intuition and educated guests. This person loves what she or he is doing. So we start by giving a concept to the machine. This is what I want to do. Propose to me stuff. And then the machine, of course, ChatGPT will go through all the learning stuff they have in their giant structure. I'll propose things. Here, the educator will use two human capabilities, love and educated guess. Educated guess is practically our intuition blended with our education. It's a huge superpower. And no machine can replicate. We don't know how to replicate it. So the person will go check what the machine gave it to him. Don't trust the machine. Use your power. This is I love. This is I don't love. Go. This is I want. This is I don't want. This is critical. This is I want. Then you add more question interaction to the machine. And then the machine will know and give you more choices. Again, you use your empathy, education, educated guess, love, and narrow what the machine is giving until you finish by a huge piece that really serve your purpose as an educator because you know you're a student, you love your education job. So this blend between human intelligence augmented by the huge data that ChatGPT will give to you and your selection and love and empathy will, will give you a big, let's call it output that usually we could do it without the machine, but it would take us like weeks. Now in a matter of an hour, you have what you used to do for a week. So I'm, I'm advising people to embrace the technology, but hey, don't trust it. Trust your intuition. Be human. Don't replicate the machine. Don't use it in a way, tell me what to do, and then take it and post it. No, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is we will have the obesity of the brain. And the magical things, once you start doing this, you, you will love the tool. I'll not be afraid anymore. You know, it will not replace what you can do. It will add to it what will happen if we don't embrace it someone else will do so now it's a competition between humans that's something else so of course if you don't go and embrace the technology and you that someone else will do that's not necessarily your friend in uk or in us could be someone in india or china okay because we are in a global world now so the good things let's compete as a human with empathy and love of course not with hate and envy and that's because these are also human characteristic. But anyway, let's concentrate on the positive here. And I think this is what we need to do. Embrace the technology, but believe in our humanity. And I think traditionally, well, if we look at the education system, we've been taught to find 
a thing that you want to be really good at and then study it deeply. So it could be medicine, it could be someone to be a lawyer. Going forward, do we really need to be experts in one thing like we have been traditionally? Is learning going to change? It must be. I don't know if we have the courage to do it quickly, but we have no option. Listen, 50 years ago, we have the calculators and people got scared from it and didn't want to put it in the school and consider it cheating. Now I hear people talk about ChatGPT as cheating tool. No, it's not. It's just a tool. The computer is not a cheating tool. It's a tool you have. And of course, if the way we, we are constructing our education system is our, around accumulating knowledge, which is very wrong, then of course it's a cheating tool. But hey, we are in the era of internet and we don't need ChatGPT to know that. We, we already have a huge search engine like Google and Bing when you can look for data and find it quickly, okay? Anyway, you have seen it during the pandemic, everyone become a doctor practically. They can Google the information and give it to you. So the education system has no choice but to evolve towards something useful for the generation to come. We don't need to accumulate knowledge like before, but we need to cultivate educated guests. We need to teach it because it's education plus intuition. So it needs education, but this education and it has to have some basic accumulation of knowledge, but not a challenging our brain with the machine, not the competition. Listen, nobody today tell you, hey, you need to have the physical force to, to beat, for example, a car and run faster. Otherwise, you will not survive. Let me look at you. What are you talking about? Okay. The same thing. Why you want to compete with ChatGPT or other AI like BART or anything in terms of accumulation of knowledge and search and giving back to you, or even in calculation and computation. So yes, it needs to evolve. We have no choice. Otherwise, we are putting our generation in a competition with the machine that they cannot win, but they can win in a different way because the machine cannot like be a human, can complement our intelligence. It's a must. It's, did it yet happen? I hope we will have the courage and uh, strength to do it quickly, not to waste our the pretty minds that are in education right now in accumulating knowledge. So it will change. But going back to your example, and I loved your example, yes, we will need to cultivate love. Someone who loves to be an engineer, he needs to go engineering. Someone who loves to become a doctor, he needs to become a doctor. The only way we need to incorporate the tools inside the education. And of course, you don't need your doctor when you go to see him checking ChatGPT live. He needs to have basic knowledge. We need to teach educated guests. At the same time, the machine will be with him. It's not a secret. Everybody is using it anyway. You know that. In a way or another. I'm not talking ChatGPT necessarily, but all the tools that we have to uh, consult a knowledge base rather than memorizing in your head. Listen, today we have a phone with us all the time. It's an extension of our intelligence because, hey, I will Google. I don't need to memorize it anymore. Education system needs to evolve and not to throw our kids and our new generation under the bus to compete with machines. We cannot win that. And Sam, if I could give you one superpower to abolish something in the world of work, what would that be for you? Taxes. Taxes is something from the past. At time, it disappeared. Anyway, with the robots coming, we don't need to pay taxes. Did the robot work and pay taxes somehow. Okay, they need to figure it out. It's not acceptable that in this era, we still use the method of the past. 
Some people tell me, what does that mean? Printing money? I tell them, yes, print money. But don't print it stupidly. We can figure it out. It doesn't matter really if the money comes from our pocket or comes from the central bank, if it's calculated well, okay? And again, it's a wish. I think we are in the age of AI. It's time that we use smart solutions to advance humanity. Taxes need to go. I hope uh, that will happen in our lifetime. <laughs> it does not need to continue like this. It does not make sense anymore. And anyway, the system itself would be broken. Takes system of taxation. Because we will not need a jobs, amount of jobs. So who we will tax? And taxing company and innovation, it's a dinosaur solution for a new era. And instead of collecting money, collecting data, figure out how, how much to print. Because you don't want to print too much and get inflation proof. But they can figure it out. It's not that complex. Especially with the AI part. Yeah, just ask AI how much money we should be printing. Yeah, there we go. Not that simple, <laughs> but why not, right? We can do for it. For sure, for sure. And Sam, as we approach the end of this episode, if people want to get more information and learn more about this particular topic, are there any resources that you would recommend for the listeners? Yes, I will advise them, of course, to learn from all sources possible. I have a website called samman.com, S-A-M-A-N-E. Uh, I have inside it information about my upcoming book, The Singularity of Hope, Humanity Role in AI, Dominant Future but also courses for free. I have also a newsletter there called Trelexa. Trelexa is a newsletter that comes to your email daily with information and news about the technology, research, learning, analysis, and there is no ads there, nothing to buy, only purely education. You're my kind of guy, Sam, so I'll be subscribing straight after the episode myself, so I'm really looking forward to that. Thank for you. Sure. And Sam, it's been Thank a pleasure getting to know you over these last uh, 30 to 40 minutes or so. I feel like time has flown. I wish we had more time. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot you've left us to ponder over, especially some of the dilemmas that we're thinking about right now. And I, I like your superpower of abolishing taxes. So I'm with you on that one. So Sam, Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate really being on the show. Appreciate it a lot and looking forward to meet again. It's the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please do connect with me via LinkedIn and drop me a message and let me know your favourite takeaways from the episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Superpower School newsletter so that you can be notified of all future episodes. Simply visit the website www.superpowers.school Thank you once again.